I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is TV worth talking about. We're all suspects. Yes, of course we are. This is Shrine Podcasts Vigil. Hello and welcome to Shrine Podcast Presents Vigil. I'm Rebecca. I'm Brendan. I'm Hannah. When we are back to dissect Vigil Season 2, Episode 3. What a treat it's been the last few nights now being entertained by Saran and co. Last night, we saw forbidden lovers shoving phones and mattresses, drones in the air, raids on the ground, a traitor at base, and we had a shocking cliffhanger ending another one. Guys, I'm telling you, when that man knocked on that window, I fully jumped and let out a squeal. I say my neighbours hurt. I got such a fright. So today, Hannah has got your thoughts and theories and Brendan has your recap. But before that, let's have a quick catch up. How are you both? Well, I'm great, but I'm really admiring half of Hannah's head. Oh yeah, I have my hair half curled, guys. Sorry, I'm just in the middle of something. Such is life when we record three days in a row. Guys, three days in a row. Like it's so funny. We've done we basically put three weeks of work into one week and it's Christmas week and everyone's already running around like a headless chicken because there's only a few days left to work. I was gonna say in the words of Ted Lasso, but in the words of Ted Hastings, it's been a life's work. I know, and I wasn't here yesterday, guys, and the podcast has turned into a dating service. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Have we heard back from either of those people? I did think that man is Christopher, that's his name. Yeah, Christopher, yeah. It did strike me that he had a really stunning voice. It did. Mm. Yeah, he's got a gorgeous mm. voice. We haven't heard back from Christopher. Maybe he hasn't had the chance to listen to the episode yet. Or maybe Christopher's, you know, not single. Um, but yeah, we got a, a voice note from someone who wanted to remain anonymous to say that we could start matching up like-minded people because they're all into the same kind of TV shows and the same kind of podcasts. But has anyone dug into the concept of like voice matching people? Or like, have we just yeah. cracked open like a massive niche? Because there's a lot of money in dating, guys. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And people do are attracted to voices, not just faces. Like, so if Tinder's for faces is shrine for voices. And that's the exact problem that people have with Tinder is that it's too vacuous and it's too yeah. like just, you know, all on appearances. People, all on appearances, which is like we want deeper connections and maybe the voice and the co- guys, honestly, we could be multi-millionaires this time next year. You do, you know what? A voice is very attractive in what people say and think rather than just what they look like. The world's become so visual. It's everyone's our site on Instagram and OnlyFans. <laughs> and actually, it's really about what's inside. So guys, maybe we have cracked a whole new service. It's kind of like Love is Blind, how you can fall in love with someone without seeing them. Oh yeah, that is the whole concept of the show. But we're going to put yeah. this podcast behind a premium now and then charge to the hilt for it. <laughs> for the people who want to meet somebody else. <laughs> yeah, why oh, not? Guys, there's something why in not? it. There's something in it. The people literally asked for it. This is not our idea, it's yours. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Yeah, and I want. love give the people what they want. We can all watch TV together and then we can set each other up. I mean, it just sounds great. Yeah, it would be a Christmas miracle now, though, if we did have a shrine couple come out of this podcast. 
I'll drop dead and we have to be invited to the wedding. We want a wedding. We potentially want children and babies like that. We want the works or dogs. We want pets. Pets at least. And like photos on the couch together watching TV. For our yeah, Instagram and listening to a podcast together. Can you imagine? That'd be a real inception moment, wouldn't it? We Love might yeah. come over and do a live recording from your kitchen, your new house when you buy it. Oh yeah, we could. We could podcast the wedding as well. Guys, the the opportunities are endless. But, <laughs> no, but back to business though for a moment. Brendan is here with your recap of Vigil Season 2, Episode 3. Take it away, bitch. Uh, episode three opens with Amy running towards Sabby, who's clutching a knife after she stabbed Callum in the shoulder. She's screaming that her dad, who's Chapman, his murder, she says, is all Callum's fault. Um, Back outside that grungy flash from the last episode, the MI5 dude, Ramsey, he just magically reappears after vanishing behind that net curtain and appearing to jump off the balcony. Like, no word said. Preston doesn't no. like, yeah, just it wasn't referenced. The so I think we're reading- there. Yeah, I think we're reading too much into it. So Kirsten orders mm-hmm. everyone to be on the lookout for Sutherland. That's the man in the wardrobe slash the forest gun man slash the man who jumped into the lake. Um, she's saying he's armed and dangerous and to find him before he hurts anyone else. Eliza is in hospital uh, visiting Callum where we learn that his injuries mean that he may never pilot again. And I think what she means by pilot again is not like Tom Cruise Top Gun fly. I think pilot just means he's not going to control a drone again. Yeah. Okay, so Eliza agrees here to get Amy all CCTV footage from where the from where and when the RPAS was taken. And for the first time, I think this looks like I feel like in the first couple of episodes, Eliza looked like she looked a bit suspicious. But for the first time here, I see her being like, "Oh my god, yeah, I want to help you. I want to help Amy." Uh-huh. Um, Sabi's phone records show that she was messaging a number that wasn't saved in her contacts. The general gist here is that she messages the person soon after the RPAS was stolen and says, it's done, I left it where you told me. There's no names and no other reply after that, right? Also, yesterday, Reb, you and me, well, I was wondering definitely if Kirsten was trying to hide her pregnancy. Absolutely not. She's very pregnant in this episode. It's totally on display. Because of the deep scene. Yeah. Um, her yeah. bump is just very much out here in these scenes, right? So Kirsten asks um, MI5 dude Ramsey uh, to find out why Sabby stabbed Callum. And uh, once again, he does seem a bit shifty here. And I really don't think he wants to help her. He just, there's a question mark over Ramsey for me. Um, Amy meets with Sabi, who says she doesn't know who she dropped the RPAS off for. And she's ad- absolutely adamant that her dad wasn't involved. Um, she was told that she would be helping people who were being killed and locked up in Wujan for things that they didn't do. So she thought she was doing a good thing. Callum told her, that it's what her mum would have wanted. Uh, she was from Woodyan as well. And we learned that Callum and Sabby's mothers are both dead. Um, Callum would have stolen the Arpaz himself, but didn't have clearance to get into the armory. This is according to Sabby. So um, Sabby believes that Callum basically used her to get to her dad's past to get her into the armory to steal the, the Arpaz. Um, she thought she was doing the right thing. Obviously now she's like extremely upset and extremely angry that what she was tricked into what ultimately led to seven people being killed and her own dad being shot in the head as well. Um, she thinks, yeah, she thinks that her dad was killed because he found out that his ID was used to steal the Arpaz. And that is the route we saw in the opening scene of the first episode, Sabi's dad Chapman having a screaming match with Callum. More on that later. Um, Amy searches Callum's bedroom. She finds a phone hidden in a mattress. She bangs her head here. And they just make a bit of a thing of it. And between the headbang and the leg scrape, I don't know if they're 
pointing towards something or if I am picking up on something that is just not Please, there. It's fair play to you noticing that now. I completely, that went over my head. Not they the leg thing, thing, just the, just yeah, the, the they hitting her head. Or banging her head. Same. Um, so, she reads a few text messages between Sabi and Callum on this phone that she's found. Or no, sorry, not on the phone. She found the mattress on the messages that Kirsten sent over from um, MI5. Um, but she falls asleep sitting at the desk. Does the woman need a blood test? I'm very concerned for her overall health. I know that's just the um, the change of time difference. She hasn't had a Fair minute. Enough. That's okay. Um, she Googles the word that the man in the hospital bed in the last episode scribbled on her notepad. Now, it turns out that this is the name of a town. It's at the border with Woodyan. And a news article says that this is where a young football team of 12 children were killed in a drone strike because of an intelligence error. The plot thickens. Amy visits Calumon Hospital. Callum denies that he was ever messaging Sabi. He says, I've, I've never messaged Sabi. Um, and he says that the phone that she found in the mattress is not his. He also denies that he had a row with Chapman over Sabi, right? Amy asks Callum if he was piloting the day that that young football team was killed. And he says he's not at liberty to talk about it. Um, Kirsten FaceTimes Amy while she's in getting a scan of the baby because she's had cramps, but everything is fine. Um, she makes a joke here about uh, thinking she had an irritable uterus and then Amy's like, oh yeah, irritable, just like the rest of you. Um, Kirsten tells Amy that Sutherland jumped out of the wardrobe and threatened to kill her in the flat and obviously that does not go down well. Can Amy I, is not happy. Guys, can I ask a question I would have asked had I not missed yesterday's episode, yep. but I couldn't figure out. So remember they went to visit a cleaner and then she led right. them to Sutherland. What was that about? How did they find that woman and who is she? And what happened So there? Thank you so much. He had, sto- he had stolen her van. Her van, van was found, um, I think, in or around near the cottage or whatever. So that she had reported that van stolen. And okay. Okay. Ross is her ex-fella. And they worked together at the same address that the gun that he used was linked to. So basically, Ross Sutherland is ex-military, stole his ex-girlfriend's van, van to go Scotland, and shoot shot your man. Scotland. Yeah, and then his they gun the van, and the van linked them back to where they were. Yeah, the police. Her, and they knocked her door down. And then how did they get to that crappy apartment? It's his last known address. He went back to his last known his address. Last known address. Okay. Thanks yeah. so much, guys. I so this 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 Goldy apartment is where he. So he just yeah he went back to his last known address, which probably wouldn't be the best thing to do if you're on the run. But sure, look, if you're on the run, no, yeah. keep moving. I'd say keep moving. In the words of Five. Um, exactly. So Mi Five dude Ramsey shows Kirsten what he's found on Callum after she asked him to do uh, you know check why Sabi might have stabbed him. Um, all seems fine, but he does find an anonymous account where Callum has been posting about free speech, the gays, military intrusion in the Middle East, yada, yada, yada. Um, Kirsten takes offence here that Ramsey got her a decaf coffee and he was just like, oh, well, just because of like your predicament. And he means like her being pregnant. Um, back in hospital. I think that's um, thoughtful. Yeah. Uh, back in hospital, Amy puts Callum's secret account to him and he says just because he works there and just because of the job that he does doesn't necessarily mean that he likes it or agrees with it. Yeah, maybe find a different job, mate. Um, he denies that he's got anything to do with seeing the Arpaz again uh, and the seven deaths and murdering Chapman. He's like, nothing to do with me. Um, Kirsten goes into a coffee shop and orders a flat white. One scene later, decaf, please. 
Okay, so I think the point they're trying to make, and no offense to anyone badly, is that she clearly has an issue with how she's seen as a pregnant woman on the force. Okay. So I think she is, and that's not by men, it's by also her partner, Silva. I think she's just having a little identity crisis that she can't do the things she used to, that she is viewed differently. And she was pissed off by him getting that decaf for her, you know, in her condition and like something changed that he did for her because she is pregnant, even though it was yeah. the right thing to do. And even yeah, if that's okay. what she needs to drink, you just can't have that much coffee when you're pregnant. And yeah, I think that's what's going on in her head. Okay. I, I mean, yeah. I think it's a great point to make because it does happen. Your life changes yeah. very quickly and people mm. do view you differently. And especially in her job, uh, yeah. she just has to fucking get on with it. And she's not too yeah. happy about it. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm here for this. Story line. Like, stop treating me differently because I'm pregnant. Stop telling me to. Because the whole time, Silva's like, you need to stop going out. And you need Silva's to stop going out. Need to... and I know. At I the get same it. Time, from her like, point. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. <laughs> have a coffee a day that's fine don't, like, be over times. don't be climbing over balconies don't be <laughs> yeah. twice yeah. being alone with a man that has just murdered someone Try like either, yeah. just find the medium I think there's, there's a happy nah, medium happy there medium. where you're you're not going to okay. get killed, but you could also, you could have a matcha. So just somewhere in the middle, I think will be best for everyone, including the child. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so anyway, Kirsten orders her decaf flat white when the wardrobe man Sutherland pops up behind her in the coffee shop, drags her outside. Um, she tells him that the RPAS was being controlled from Woodyan on the day that it killed seven people. The Chapman was framed before Sutherland was then hired to shoot Chapman dead. Um, and basically here, she's like, you've been used and he was like look I thought I was going to try and make things better and he storms off Amy goes to visit Wes Harper this is the guy who showed her around the armory uh, in the last episode and he didn't notice that the RPAS was missing until he opened it and was like oh it's feeling quite light um, so Amy asked see, him that, that I know. still makes me laugh like he's like it's very yeah. light he's like actually it's, I haven't seen that killing drone very, for about five it's days it's very dowered very dowered mm. um, so Wes Harper tells Amy um, that it would take a very long time to train somebody in to use an RPAS properly but he was like basically just to make her go boom and do a few explosions he was like not really much time at all like you could kind of like suss that out fairly lively um, Colonel Balali, which just if you're from Dublin makes me think of a Lewis stop that's our tram system whenever I hear Colonel <laughs> Balali, I just think of a, of a Lewis stop no Bally, anyone else a light to Dundrum town centre yeah a light is the weirdest word why did they use I that know. no one in Dublin has ever get said off that. for Dundrum just yeah. say get off for Dundrum mm, get off yeah get off now, anyway. Anyway. Bilali, the colonel, not the Lewis stop, uh, tells Amy and Eliza that he's going to be taking Sabby off their hands as soon as they're done with her. Uh, he says what she did happened on Woodyanny soil and it uh, very much sounds like they want to be the ones to punish her. Um, Amy's driven out to the safe house to have a look around and she learns that on their days off... Um, Everyone who works at the compound uh, use like the trucks and the the cars that they use for work on their days off to drive around. They normally go to like shopping centers, um, to hotels where you're allowed to drink alcohol um, and just have a laugh, like kick back, whatever. But there is one previous destination. She has a look through the sat nav and there's one destination that's kind of unaccounted for. And then she puts two and two together and she assumes that this is an address that Callum must uh, drive to. Right. So she's like, what's going on here? She pops inside the safe house. She has a mooch around. Well, some chung fella jumps out, gives her a kick. She holds her knee again. I was like, more of the knee. 
He legs it, but she manages to hold on to uh, basically a school bag that was on his back. And they find a little ID card on the table inside this safe house. It's got a photo of that young fella there, even though he's legged it. His name is Faisal Ghazali. Amy then, and in kind of a bit of a Kirsten, in a bit of a Kirsten move here, she spots that there's a teeny tiny screw loose on like the table that the TV is sitting on. And she looks at the back of the TV, basically sees there's a screw missing, gets a screwdriver, screws the rest of the back of the TV off and out pops this lovely little folder uh, with maps and other suspicious bits and pieces in it that she uh, asks to be translated because it's going to lead them somewhere. Um, Yeah, for explaining that. Yeah, same. Like, but when they do stuff like that on TV, I'm just like, oh, never in a thousand years if I was locked in that room would I have found the back yeah, of that belly. Now, hold on a minute. No, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. We got through that escape room in under the allotted time. True. We nearly drowned at one part of it. A room filled it with was, water. And we, were, we were very stuck in it, remember? It was like vigil Very good. One. You guys were brilliant. I was horrendously hungover, like absolutely horrific. So was I. So was I. No, I think the three of us all yeah. thought slightly differently to each other. Yeah, that was interesting. Worked. I'd love to do another one, but my actual dream, which wasn't met at my hen, but it was, we, we got to a part of it, but my dream is to do like an overnight murder mystery where the staff in the hotel yeah. are all, they uh, are part of it and you're not sure who is and who isn't and you get to go around and interview everyone. That is my dream and I want to do it with you guys. I think it'd be so much after, fun. After our dating, after our dating yeah. started, I think that's our next business venture. Oh, we're going to open one. Yeah, that's okay. another business venture for Shrine. So we Shrine dating and Shrine does murder mystery. Yeah, yeah it's going to be really so. shit. <laughs> really, no, no. oh sorry, no. oh sorry, it's going to be terrifying. Oh, what we're going to do is when... it can't be worse than the, the head situation in Liverpool. <laughs> when I thought there was two different characters, but it was actually the same man in a different outfit because I was so drunk. We were. I think that's one of the t- drunkest times I've ever been still awake and functioning. It's like oh a new God. part of my brain kicked in. Like <laughs> there was nothing behind my eyes, <laughs> and we were all on a similar level. And yet, that poor man. It was a one man show, but Rebecca was yeah. very impressed. It by was the Mr. And Mrs. Was the end of everyone. Yeah, Mr. and Mrs. was to blame. Yeah. Um, okay, so Amy, after she finds all these documents in the back of the TV, she then asks to be driven to that address on the sat-nav that she just is assuming that Callum has driven to before. So she arrives, it leads her to this fancy house where she meets a fellow called Nader Wahid, right? So Amy's like, I'm here to chat about one of the lads who stays here. And while we're all thinking Callum, and she's thinking Callum, your man turns around, he's like, oh yeah, Sam, we went to college together. And she's like, um... Well, actually, I was here to talk about Callum. And then uh, when she's like, what do you have about Sam? Uh, Nader basically panics and sends her packing. Well, the next scene explains a lot. Callum and Sam have been lovers for the past year. Very frowned upon in the Middle East, the gays. Um, So basically, Callum and Sam have been driving to Nader's house and hanging out there because... Yeah, Absolutely because Nader gorgeous. is a decent person and, and doesn't give a flying fuck. Two men are in love with each other. Yeah. Uh, heaven forbid. Um, so that is why Callum and Sam say they've been acting suspicious because they are in a romantic relationship and they both claim that they have nothing to do with stealing the Arpaz, murdering Chapman, ending up like with seven people dead, and they have an alibi for the date that the Arpaz was stolen because they were both let's get it on at Nader's house on the day, right? Love wins, guys. 
Love wins. Love is love. Um, the phone that Amy found in Callum's mattress, Callum admits here, is his, but he wasn't messaging Sabby. He's going to give her the pin to show her all. The messages on that phone are messages between him and Sam. Um, the screaming match between Callum and Chapman in the first episode what was actually going on there was Chapman had known about the two guys being with each other. He was fully supportive. He was covering for them, but he told them that him and Sabi were leaving and basically the lads were freaking out that everyone was going to find out about them and in the Middle East, it's going to put their lives in danger. Um, so, oh yeah, here, when Sam and Callum are like to Amy, like they're really panicking and they're like, you just wouldn't understand what it's like to be gay in the Middle East and she doesn't say anything. No. Like she doesn't reveal her own personal circumstance, but she does say, I'm going to do everything I can to help you. Um, Kirsten learns that yeah. Brendan, thank God she didn't because if she had said, oh, I'm in a relationship with my partner well, and work, he's, you know what I mean? Imagine she would have yeah. put Kirsten's yeah. life in danger. Yeah. Um, so Kirsten learns that Sutherland was kicked out of the army many years ago because he shot his own friend who was also in the army dead. Now Sutherland said his friend was injured and he was going to die a slow and painful death. So he put him out of his misery was what he claimed. Right. Um, where's my next, my next page? Um, I should really number these. Um, Amy visits Sabi. She's gonna, she tells her that Callum will be fine. She's like, you kind of missed his nerves and his arteries. It's, she's like a, a bit shady here. It's, it's funny. Um, Amy tells Sabi that it wasn't Callum messaging her and that they need to figure out that whoever tricked her into stealing the Arpaz and ultimately killing seven people and then her dad. And Sabi just can't get her head around this because she believed whoever was messaging her on that phone was Callum, but it was not at all. Um, Sabi then freaks out when she realizes that Amy probably isn't going to be able to take her back to the UK. And she's like, they execute people in Wujian. So she's not having a good time, to put it mildly. Um... We go back into uh, Callum's hospital room then and he's still in bed recovering. Sam's sitting on the end of the bed and Sam breaks up with Callum here. He says for their own safety, um, there's an emotional kiss goodbye in the hospital bed, lots of tears. Um, Amy asks Sabby to be put on a flight to the UK, pointing out that she is their only link to whoever carried out the ARPAS terrorist attack on UK soil. And uh, next, it turns out that... The young lad that Amy found in the safe house with the ID and the stuff on the back of the TV, well, his dad is named Ghazali and he is the leader of a terrorist group and all this came to light because of the hidden maps and the info that Amy found in the back of the TV, right? So, young lad, safe house, maps, everything led Amy and the whole team to leader of terrorist organisation, right? Amy, Eliza and Bilali, the colonel, not the Lewis stop, are watching Ghazali on a big screen so they're carrying out an operation. They are hoping here that they're going to take him out as the leader of this terrorist group and put a stop to everything. Bit of a to-do here because Amy's horrified at how the team are basically calculating how many innocent people it would be okay to to kill as sort of collateral, even though they have an issue with the word collateral, if they were to drop yeah. a bomb on the leader of this terrorist group, right? So she launches a stinger of attack here, Amy. She's like, oh yeah, just like when those 12 children on the football team died using British weapons. Um, so just as they are about to fire missiles at Ghazali, he starts kicking a football round with a load of kids. So the team can't shoot. This goes on for a few minutes and then they figure out that basically somebody has tipped off Ghazali that he was about to be killed. So he's kicking around with the kids and then he runs off with the children as well. So they, they he knows that they probably won't fire if he's around um, a number of children. Um, 
Kirsten and uh, Ramsey from MI5, they visit a halfway house. This is where Sutherland, the shooter, was staying. Um, they meet a gal. She's also ex-services. Her name is Laura. Um, she's sort of a bit cagey and then eventually she sings like a canary. She's like, he's at the top of the stairs, room three. He's very riled up. Watch yourselves. So armed police and Kirsten burst into the room and Sutherland, like here, I feel he genuinely seems like he's really gutted that he's also been tricked into shooting Chapman dead you know he thought he was doing it for mm-hmm. some sort of greater good or for not that you're ever going to shoot somebody for a good reason but he felt like he was trying to help he's realized now that he's been made a fool of he's absolutely gutted and the the armed officers keep saying you know put your hands up put your hands up we need to see your weapon and here my interpretation of it was that he wanted to die and he wanted yeah. to shoot him. So he pretended he made it look like he had a weapon. Cop or something, isn't it? So that they would shoot him. Yeah. yeah. So they did shoot him, but they just got him in the shoulder. He'll be absolutely grand, not a bother on the chap. Um back in Wojan. Did he, not die? Was he didn't. No. I thought he no. was dying. Well, that wasn't right. No, no. No, no I, I don't he think died, so. Bren. I don't, die? I don't think he died, but I think he's gonna I don't die. Think so. Ah, uh, lads, they just oh, tipped God. him in the shoulder. Yeah, but would you not get him in the knee? Oh, yeah. No, I thought they didn't. I thought that he was... No? I think that's geographically okay. No, I wasn't watching properly. Also, sorry, no, just on this scene, but why We don't know for sure. Longacre yeah, and the MI5 man in protective vests? Yeah, I don't know. She but needs... To, no, uh, listen. They, they should change to that yeah. desk. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, like, you can say your man's in there in room number three without going into the feckin' room. No, I know she's negotiating up as well. She was front and centre. Yeah. Front and centre. Go up yeah. and just put the helmet and the vest on. That's yeah. fine. She had a deep half coffee. She's all right. Back in Woodchan, Savvy is escorted away, right? But it does not look like she's going to be making a flight to the UK. Um, Eliza and Amy try to figure out who could have warned Ghazali, um, uh, you know, that they were about to kill him, then getting the kids around him. And it dawns on them. Just because he's a gay doesn't mean he's not a prick. Sam. And Eliza has just given Sam permission to leave the base. So it turns out after all, Sam, who was in a relationship with Callum, told Sabi to steal the Arpaz on Ghazali's orders. So Ghazali, head of the terrorist group, got Sam to pretend to be Callum to get Sabi to use her dad's ID to steal the Arpaz to carry out the attack. And I would go one layer further and I wonder, is that relationship even legitimate from Sam's point of view? I'd say he's well, been yeah. playing the long game, to be honest. Well, we don't know. We, I guess we, we, we hopefully will find out. I have a theory, out. guys. Oh. I have a theory. Is there someone well, we else still in the camp Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I just am like, yeah I, yeah, I think he's playing for both sides. Do you know what I mean? Well, but I'm... Sh- <laughs> <laughs> we'll go we'll go into that in a bit in the words of Jennifer Coolidge these gays are trying to murder me um, <laughs> as Eliza and Amy follow Sam in a car Kirsten leaves Amy a very emotional voicemail saying she's sorry for being irritable and that she misses her and that she loves her and that she was really hoping she was about to speak with her on the phone she can't believe she missed her can you say foreshadowing um Sam pulls up in his car and as Eliza and Amy watch him tuck a gun into the back of his jeans and meet Ghazali the terrorist, a terrifying man bangs on their car window and points a gun in their faces. Jesus, that moment. I was like... (laughs) I thought she was going to like die in a car crash though. I was a little bit relieved that it was, you know, they're impaired. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But hopefully they'll weasel their way out of it like I thought she was dead in that scene. Converge. Just as I read that last line about the man appearing behind them, a shadow went behind me and I freaked the fuck out. But I think it was just a bird in the window. <laughs> yeah, but you're in your wardrobe. Like, you don't really want shadows with you in the wardrobe. No, you don't. It's the seagull. Yeah, I think it's fine. There's no one in the room. Woo. Okay, I'm glad um, to hear. Uh, Brendan, thank you for Fabulous Yeah, that was brilliant. Really high caliber recaps, guys. I've dropped the ball. I'll try and do better next Monday because uh, they're great. It's a lot though. It's a lot watching an episode and trying to do all that in the next day. Do you know, usually we have two days yeah. to prepare. Yeah. So it took uh, me so long because I was so out of practice. Yeah, and we've a yeah. another season coming out now, guys. Spoiler alert. We won't say what it is, but it's going to be a similar turnaround for us. And I mean, we just don't, we aren't getting a minute. No, no. We someone need the production companies need to send us the episodes or something. We need to figure that out. But yeah, listen. Do you know what? It's a great show, and thank God it is. Because if this was daily for a show that was shite, I would I would have given up halfway through. Oh, I would have said good night, A Christmas week as well. No. Oh yeah. Um, okay, guys, I'm here with Hots and Heries today because I did fuck all yesterday. So look, um, Sophie wrote in on Twitter and she said, did we talk? Did you guys talk about this tweet yesterday? This is why I didn't include it because I thought you mentioned it. But she said, read the series name. Also noticed the VL1 on the drone. The sub is still in the titles. It goes from a sub to a plane and a drone. So not sure if this symbolizes the transitions between the series or if they're more linked than we think. I think it's just a nice bit of symbolism because we're halfway through now. Yeah. You know, I think we would have yeah. seen more links. Um, Brian Foster mailed us on Facebook. Thank you, Brian. And he just said a side note that links Granger, that's DeGray Scott uh, from Mission Impossible. Oh, yeah. And him now over in Woodyan. DeGray. Him in Woodyan. Yeah. Over there in a flash. Um, and he's running the show as well. I didn't realize how linked the teams were. They obviously seem to be very similar teams. They're just in two different locations. But he pointed out that uh, Tandy Newton is also in that film with him, which is a little throwback to Line of Duty. And I think one of our giddiest episodes ever when we tried to do the recap about that poor woman waking up without an arm, we couldn't. That's the amputation. To point out for anyone that's new to this, we were not laughing at the fact that she was amputated. We were laughing at the audacity of the script to do it because it was just so shocking. Um. And Martin says, you guys need to do a new podcast series. Don't tempt us. Shrine dates. And Brenton can step in as Scylla. Surprise, surprise. Now, my only issue with that is Scylla Black is one of my main icons. So I would have to fight Brenton for that role. But we could all take it in turns. We could. Bobby Graham. I could, I could, yeah, I could be our Bob Carroll geese. 
<laughs> yeah, no, she's always like, ah, oh, Graham. I just remember her always ah, saying, ah, Graham. Oh, Graham. And I'm like, gosh, I'm that Graham. That was the best. And she used to just it burst into so songs. She'd do whatever she wanted. She was an icon. Will you ever forget? Well, sorry, I don't remember it from the time, but only like in recent years seeing the clip of when um, I think it was like Marie Claire or one of those magazines sent an undercover journalist on Blind Day to get the sauce out from behind the scenes. And the whole oh production team knew. They went through the whole like rigmarole with your one brought her out and Scylla was like what's your name and where'd you come from love and then she says what her name is and Scylla turns around to the audience she's like she's a journalist ladies and gentlemen and your one dies <laughs> on the spot oh so that's good. actually such a good impression incredible it's so good it's we so, were swinging out so of her good. statue in Liverpool God love her the poor woman three o'clock in the morning she's on that strip Over. as well they need to move her to a more respectful location yeah. to be honest oh, like, you. we were <laughs> So um, guys, also in terms of like where this is going to go, okay, like there has to be someone else in the in the camp that's bent or dodgy or working with the terrorist organization leaking information. It can't just be Sam. We're only on the third episode, do you know? I know oh, we're yeah, only no. halfway through. But yeah, but so I, I was thinking about this in two ways. If this was one a week, we'd be like, oh my God, we're halfway through. But because it's like three in three days, it feels like time is moving different. Like if... If we had six episodes of Line of Duty and it was six weeks, we'd be like, oh, we've only got three more to go. Whereas, yeah, am I talking nonsense? I am. It's, it's no, no, it's different. But, but there has to be someone else working with Sam, I think. And I think Balali, is that not too obvious? Well, I'm going to wrap up otherwise. Like, where yeah, are we going with three more full hours? So who else is dodgy? Who else is dodgy? Well, I, do you think? I think there's going to be more to do with the company that makes the drones. Isn't yeah, there? There's going to be a whole, there's going to be a whole money element to do with like contracts and yada, yada, yada. I think I we're going to see more of that players. Someone on the British side is going to have to be dodgy because so far anyone that's tried to corrupt this sale has been uh, Woodyan associated. Yeah. Um, because for obvious reasons, it impacts the, the their civilians, which we saw uh represented this week as they were represented as collateral or as this. What do they call it? Percentage or what? What was that term they were using? I I didn't take note of the exact term they used, but yeah, they were like, "Are we uh, the estimate?" They were like, "Are we inside or outside the estimate?" And the estimate is essentially how many people were legally okay, to, how many civilians were legally yeah. okay to take out if we take down this bad person and then yeah. so Grace Scott was like you know we do this to keep people safe it's just the like this is warfare I was like Ew. well this is what war is like and this is exactly what we're seeing happening now it's just outrageous but anyway what is it yeah. good for so, absolutely so nothing. who else exactly, so, someone on the true, British side also, I think will be trying to yeah. um will be involved so it's it's not Callum from what we understand I think it could be the officer who drove Saran to the the halfway the safe house location um, who goes to the malls all the time could be her oh yeah okay because mm-hmm. Bilali's like too obvious I think and same with Doug Gray but he is a very big actor and famous that I'm like, you didn't just bring him in now to do a few bits, you know? Well, listen, we'll find out. There's a lot more to it. But let's talk about season two, episode four, which is airing on Sunday. We have a bit of breathing room in the meantime. So Sunday oh night's episode, the BBC have released their... Um, official kind of what to expect on their website, series two, episode four of six. So 
On Sunday, we're going to see Amy and Eliza come face to face with the dissident group at the heart of the investigation and they're held hostage. What's worse, they are told that they have to help a member of the group infiltrate the base, desperate to find Amy. Kirsten is going to go at any length, even if it breaks her own moral code to track her down. Meanwhile, Amy and Eliza have no choice but to find a way to escape despite the risks. The drama of it all. Right, so we might be spending a lot of this the season or a lot of the next episode with them. And what is the dissident group called? Al Yeah, I didn't put that in my recap because I felt it complicated. I just I I simplified it. I was like terrorist group. Terrorist two, group. Right? Yeah, two, there's two. Though, I just uh, named out. Korea. Al Haria, yeah. that's what I was trying to say. Al-Haria, yeah, okay. one with something Al Haria. But I think that there may have been, there was two because they actually were over, they were over the border as well. Because yeah. Doug yeah. Ray said something about them. He's like, oh yeah, well, it's not Woodyani law because we're over the border, i.e., you yeah. know. So yeah, there, there's there's two, I think there's two dissident groups. Um, so and I, I suppose this element of them being held hostage is going to give us that kind of um, high drama that we got from Saran being on a submarine in the actual missile uh, place stuck. You know what I mean? It might give that element that we're kind of missing from this series. Um, so we'll find out more on Sunday night. And I'm very excited to see more. I think the next three episodes are going to be fantastic. The first three. It is, it's a brilliant series. I just mm-hmm. wish that it was able to be one a week. But sure, look, I think that the schedule of the BBC now, they're lashing everything out. Every single company is lashing every single show out in January. <laughs> yeah, every show is out in January. It's wild. Yeah, every- but sure, look. Um, I think we're going to see Longacre give birth either they'll do like not a time jump but like the well she's hardly like Saran's hardly going to be over there for two months but yeah I think we're definitely going to see that child be born. Oh, I thought when she was FaceTiming her when she was in with the child the crib I thought she was going to before the camera zoomed out I honestly thought she was going to be like surprise baby same yeah. but I think that's going to happen I think over the next three yeah. hours of this show that we're going to have that moment happen mm-hmm. which will be yeah yeah, you know, I thought I was going to be like, what? But then it was the scan. But anyway, listen, we'll we'll hope that that Long Acre uh, is all right and same with Silva because they've done a lot of the be careful, be careful, do you know? Yeah. A lot. Mm. So we'll find out. But anyway, we'll be back on Monday with a brand new podcast. In the meantime, if you have any burning thoughts or theories or any corrections, you can uh, slide into our DMs. Uh, get in touch on social Correct. at Shrine Pod. Email Shrine Pod at gmail.com. Is he alive? Talk Tell me the correction. I know, correct. No, because I, I, there You're have been people right. saying, you know, that there's like it, there's a lot going on, guys. There is a you lot. Know, when going a newspaper on. has to publish it's a correction, I'm like, oh, God. No, I do. I think no. we need to expand the thoughts and theories sections to thoughts, theories, and corrections, corrections because we're there's always something we've said wrong. Can't yeah. like it's very difficult. Corrections, there's a lot going on. Um, you can send us a voice note now via our website, shrinepodcast.com. And uh, there's links all over social as well. Just record it in like a few minutes, a few seconds, the way you would to a friend in a voice note. We'd love to hear your voice on Shrine Pod. And who knows, we could be actually finding you the love of your life in the meantime as well with Shrine <laughs> Dating. In the meantime, have a fabulous few days and uh, just relax after all that tension and drama. It's been three nights on the trot of staying up till 10 p.m. and seeing it all unfold. Vigil back Sunday at 9 p.m., BBC One, episode four. And we will be back with our fourth podcast episode on Monday. Until then, 
Ta-ra. This is TV worth talking about. This is Shrine Podcasts. Vigil.